0: Yeah, thank you that we're here. Thank you that uh, um, you're here too. Thank you that you're going to speak through your word. Thank you that that's what you promise us and that you are a faithful God and your promises are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. And thank you, Lord, that we can trust that and know that uh, we came to hear you and we want, and we know that we will hear you. So open our ears, Lord God. Keep our minds focused. Help us not to be distracted Uh, by anything extraneous but just keep us focused on the subject that we're looking at the the fact of our relationship with you and the way that that relationship manifests itself through conversation conversation that we call prayer so i thank you lord for what you're going to show us and i ask lord that you be honored and glorified in it in Mm -hmm. in everything that's said in In our thoughts and our conversations with one another uh, yeah that your name be glorified Lord and that um, and that we leave this place full of joy because we know that we have pleased you this evening in Jesus name amen Amen. Amen. Um, okay last time we met um, we took we looked at uh, Luke Luke chapter 18 and and Habakkuk actually, strange combination but we looked at both of them and we talked about the fact that um, uh, Jesus says in Luke 18, pray at all times, pray at all times or or faint, it's basically pray or faint and the word faint means lose courage, it means uh, fall. Or um, be discouraged so for Jesus his instruction to his disciples in Luke 18 was keep praying or else you will be discouraged and faint you will not be able to stand and uh, we looked at Habakkuk because Habakkuk even though it's a a prophecy it's in it's in with the minor prophets towards the end of the Old Testament Habakkuk's prophecy is actually his conversation with God Mm -hmm. and um, the wonderful thing about it is that the first two verses and the last two or three verses show the complete uh, journey that he makes from coming to God and complaining, ''Why are you allowing me to see this violence?'' Why, when I look at the world out there, is it violent and wicked and evil? Why are you allowing that to continue? And by the end of the book, he is able to say, though the fig tree does not blossom, and there be no fruit on the vine, yet I will praise you. And so that journey from the beginning of of coming to God, wanting to understand, and the end saying, okay, whatever, I will praise you. That's what I was interested in, and I think that the door through which Habakkuk went in that conversation is in chapter 2, verse 4, where God says, The righteous shall live by faith. Mm -hmm. So that's why this this, um, course, this short course, there's only another two weeks to go after tonight, is called Prayer Through the Door of Faith. So because that was uh, Habakkuk had a conversation, but in order to get to the place where he could say, praise you, God, whatever happens, praise you, whatever happens, he had to come through that door. He had to walk through the door of faith. And actually that's the true of us in every situation. When we pray, when we have a conversation of, with God, in the end we have to walk through that same door. We have to come through the door called faith, trust and uh, in order to get to the place that God wants us to be. So um, I asked a couple of questions in the homework, if you saw the homework online or if it was emailed to you. I asked two questions. What is the greatest danger to a Christian from the world? Is it conformity to the ways of the world and the attitudes of the world? So is that the greatest danger? Or is it separation or isolation from the world? Which would you say was the greatest danger for Christians? Isolation, why?
1: Because we're in the world but we're not of the world and Jesus said, prayed that we will be protected when yeah.
0: we're in the world. Yeah, yeah. Why is it a danger for us to live isolated to the world? I mean, you're right, but why is it a danger to us? Why is the word danger appropriate to that question? Yeah, go ahead. Exactly, we're not proclaiming the gospel, we're not doing what we've been left here to do, and not doing the work that God created in, it. what's your name? Libby, uh, Libby? Yeah. nice to meet you Libby, especially with that answer, <laughs> um, yeah we're not doing what God left us here to do, we're not doing the work that he created in advance for us to do, and actually it goes much further than that, because We're going to look at John 17, and in John chapter 17, Jesus prays to his Father, and one of the things he says is, I have finished the work that you gave me. I have accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And so we want to follow Christ. That's what we're Christians are followers of Christ. We want to follow what he he did. We want to say what he said and do what he did. And if his whole thing was to accomplish the work that God gave him to do, then the danger to us is that we don't accomplish that work. Because along with that accomplishment, he says, glorify your son, for I have accomplished the work that you gave me to do. So it's not that there is a, um, a threat in there. It's just... We want to have the whole blessing of our relationship with the Lord. And to have the whole blessing, that involves us going along with that work that he created in advance for us to do. So the danger is that we sit in holy huddles and we talk about the Lord and it's all lovely and we smile a lot at each other and we open up the Bible and we study the Bible. And I could quote to you from, from Habakkuk or Genesis or whatever else, but it's useless for the purpose that it was given to me. And that's the danger that we, um, yeah, that we do not do the work that we have been that was created for us to do. That we do not fulfil the mission, the commission of Christ Jesus, and that essentially we do not lift up the name of Christ. Mm. No earthly good, you know, it's so spiritually. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So um, that's why I want to look at um, John. Uh, 17 because John 17 is Christ coming to his Father. It's called the High Priestly Prayer and it's this wonderful prayer um, that that Jesus prays for himself and for his disciples. Um, and it, he, he says that he's praying not only for the 11 who are with him at that time, but he's praying for those who will believe in him through their word. So... Um, yeah, and everyone's gone to John 17, so I will go first to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, because I just want to talk about something before we get there that I think goes along, A, with what Jesus will say in John 17, and also what the whole Bible actually says. says. You one I do, 1 Chronicles, thank you. 1 Chronicles 14, um, verse 8 to 14. Um, 1 Chronicles, sorry, I've got my small Bible, which is the pages are stuck together. 1 Chronicles 14, verse 8 to um, 14. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over all Israel, all the Philistines went up in search of David, and David heard of it and went out against them. Now the Philistines had come and made a raid in the valley of Rephaim. David inquired of God, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines, and will you give them into my hand? Then the Lord said to him, Go up, for I will give them into your hand. So they came up to Baal-perazim, and David defeated them there. And David said, God has broken through my enemies by my hand, like the breakthrough of waters. Therefore they named that place Baal-perazim. They abandoned their gods there, so David gave the order, and they were burned with fire." The Philistines made yet another raid in the valley. David inquired again of God, and God said to him, You shall not go up after them. Circle around behind them and come at them in front of the balsam trees. Mm -hmm. It's probably you're wondering why are we reading that. But what we've talked about is the danger to Christians in being isolated and living together and the danger of being assimilated in the world. I think the isolation is greater, but they're both dangerous Mm -hmm. because they... What they do is they forget the fact that we have an enemy Mm -hmm. who is out for us. So he will present this choice, this whole gamut of choice of which those two things are the extreme ends. Okay, you can totally assimilate into the world and call yourself a Christian but not live like a Christian, or you can isolate yourself in a monastery or a nunnery and live just with other believers and be of no use in the world. And either are, either are successful gambits of the enemy because what he has done is nullify our witness. Mm-hmm. And that's what he wants to do. And what this First Chronicles 14, when I read it just a little while ago, It made me realize that when Jesus says, pray and do not faint, pray at all times and do not faint, that's what David always does. Mm -hmm. David, throughout the the, the account of David, from Samuel through to the end of uh, Kings, what you read is, David inquired of the Lord. It's a repeated phrase. If you've got the New American Standard, you may have it in a different translation. But that statement is David inquired of God. And what was interesting about 1 Chronicles is it was the same enemy. So the Philistines were coming against him, and he inquired, Shall I go up against them? And God said, Yes. And so he did. And then the Philistines came again. The same enemy came again. And David inquired again, and it was a different plan. Mm. So I think the problem that we have as believers often is that we, we ask for protection from God. We ask for strategies to live in this world, to live for his glory, to live in the right way or to live in a way that exalts Christ. And we pray that once or twice, and we get an answer, and we forget that the enemy is um, subtle and devious, and that he comes at us from all directions, and God will not necessarily tell us to deal with him in the same way. So either of those two things, whilst we might think that isolation is protecting us from the enemy, that may not be the way that God wants us to deal with the enemy at every moment through our life. The Bible says that um, Satan prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. When do lions roar? When do they roar? When they're hungry. When they're hungry and when they're angry and territory is threatened. When they're on their own territory. And that is being threatened. You see, we we think a lot about the we know that that verse that Satan's prowling around looking for a Christian Mm -hmm. to devour. We know that, like a roaring lion. Mm -hmm. But the reason he can prowl is that this world is his territory. And he is roaring his ownership of it, and you and I, as believers, are invading his territory, mm. and so he is roaring all the time, like the Philistines that came against David. He is going to come at us all the time. Now, I'm, this is not talking. This is not a study about Satan. In fact, I don't ever intend to do a study about Satan. But what it is is a reminder that he exists. And that he is out for our destruction. Mm -hmm. And the best way that he can destroy us is to close our mouths and stop us doing what God has intended for us to do. So in the same way as those two dangers from the world, Mm -hmm. it's the same as the danger from Satan. If Satan can effectively stop your witness, he has succeeded in stopping your work for the Lord. And it's not that God is judging you on your work. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that there is tremendous joy that the Lord gives us when we are at work for him, with him. Mm -hmm. There is a tremendous joy, a blessing attached to knowing that you're not getting everything right. You're failing miserably a lot of the time. But your heart is for the Lord and he is at work through you. That is a tremendous privilege and joy. And so if Satan can stop that, that's what he will do. So um, Jesus says pray at all times. Why pray at all times? Because you have an enemy. You have three enemies, actually. You have Satan who prowls around like a roaring lion. You have the world that is seeking to conform you to its mold. And you have your own nature, your flesh. And you need to pray. We need Mm -hmm. to pray against our flesh against the conforming process of the world and against the work of the enemy. And unless we are aware that we are on his ground, on his territory, we won't pray. If you think this is happy and fine, you won't be praying at all times. Go ahead, Eve.
2: I was just going to say, I was under the impression that we could gain territory that would be for the Lord.
0: Well, I think there's so two... So
2: we're not always on his territory. I think
0: there's two dimensions to this, okay? There's the reality that the world is under the rule of Satan yes. at the moment. There's that. There's the reality that you and I as believers in the Lord are now placed on a highway of holiness where that we are walking a highway from holiness to holiness and everything is holy. And Satan can't get onto that road, but he can effectively stop us walking along that road block us Mm -hmm. and he can also shout abuse at us that enable that stops us witnessing as we're walking you see what i mean so the two things are going on at the same time and i don't know how to explain that Mm -hmm. except that the world is satan's territory Mm -hmm. you know ephesians chapter two Mm -hmm. we all used to be sons of disobedience um conforming to the ways of the prince of the power of the air. That's Satan. So he, was, he is at work. He rules this world at the moment. Um, but we are on that highway of holiness.
2: Yes. I suppose I was thinking of the scripture that everywhere that the soles of your feet are.
0: Yeah. yeah, I think that that's an Old Testament scripture yes. relating to Israel. Yeah. And I would love to grab it. Yes. and say, when I, st- when I step into Flechno, my village, this is my village, you can keep out yes. Satan, but no, that's no, no. not the truth. Not
1: the, truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: the truth is that that was a promise to the Israelites when they were taking mm-hmm. the, ground, the land of yeah, the Israel, actual land. the actual mm-hmm. land of Israel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we can't claim that. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that ours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, there's a, a wonderful scripture which I love and which I quote all the time is uh, in Second Samuel, I think it is 23, talks about Shamar. it's also in Chronicles, um, one of David's mighty men, and it says that Shamar, the Philistines were attacking again, and Shamar, one of David's mighty men, took his stand in a lentil patch mm-hmm. and fought off the Philistines. And I have this picture in my head of a lentil patch, you know, this is a lentil patch, and God's, you know, the enemy's not getting in here, we're mm-hmm. going to fight him off. Mm-hmm. So... And but it's dimension, isn't it? You yes, know.
2: and also we can fight him off. If we give him legal entry, Yes. he has a legal entry. Yes. For instance, if we started doing yoga classes Yeah, Ouija here, boards and things like that, yeah. Door. Yeah.
0: Mm. yeah, you've invited him in. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the dangers I'm talking about, assimilating to the world. We're inviting the enemy in. Um, so anyway, um, this idea of inquiring all the time, we're fighting a mighty enemy, He's strong. He's cleverer than us. He, he's got more tricks than we have. And so we are to be aware of him. Because when we're aware of him, we then start to be aware of all the things that God has done to protect us from him. And that we needn't be afraid. He can't take us by surprise. Yeah, but that's, that's why we're praying. And Jesus, in his last prayer, prayed that specifically we won't get to it probably tonight. It'll probably be next week. But, but he prayed specifically, um, I don't ask you to take them out of the world, but that you protect them in the world. And so if he chose to pray, you know, those things for his followers, why would we not be aware of it and be praying for that tr- too? So, um, you did mention a sign about
1: his
0: conformed. That yeah, I'll probably get to that at some stage, yeah. So, thank you, Rosie. So... Um, But John chapter 17, remember, doesn't come out of nowhere. It's not like Jesus has gone away for two months and then come back and and said this prayer and then he's going to go away again. This prayer is directly uh, an extension of a conversation he started in John 13. They come to the upper room. They take the last supper. He washes their feet. Judas goes out to betray him. Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you, John 14. He starts to tell them that he's going away and he'll send the Holy Spirit, the helper. And then he says, let's go from here. And they go down through the, uh, probably down the, um, into the, um, into an olive grove. And he starts to talk about... Um, Uh, I am the vine, sorry, a vine grove. I am the vine, you are the branches. He starts to talk about that. Then he gets into chapter 16 and he says, The world will hate you because it hated me. Mm. And that's what he tells them just before he prays this prayer. Mm-hmm. The world will hate you mm-hmm. because you follow me. John sixteen. He starts in about um, verse eighteen, I think, and um, starts to say those things. Now, why does he say? Why does he pray for them directly after he says that? This is the question. You know, as I say, John seventeen. You could almost rip out of the Bible and say that's just such a wonderful prayer. I'm just going to have that on its own. Jesus praying. It's probably the high point in Scripture, isn't it? The Son of God praying to the God the Father for us. Can you get anything better?
1: Mm.
0: But you can't take it out of its context. And Jesus prays it directly after he says, um, uh, where are we? Uh, you. Thank you. The world, thank you Angela. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the world will hate you. Um, and then he says to them, look in 16 verse um, 25, these things I've spoken to you in figurative language. In an hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but will tell you plainly of the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say that I will request of the Father on on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from the father so now what he's saying to them is there is a day coming when you will pray directly to god the father and you actually won't need me to speak for you Mm -hmm. why because you have because god loves you because you have put your trust in jesus so what he's saying is those things he says right at the end then these things i've spoken to you so that in me you may have peace In the world you have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. So as I say, all those three chapters to get to this point where he's going to pray um, to his father, um, and he wants them to understand that prayer is not a duty, it's not a... um, it's not, like it, it's, it's not something that you have to tick off the, your, you put in your calendar and do in the morning for 15 minutes or 20 minutes or an hour, or whatever it is. Prayer is a constant conversation with God. It is a constant conversation. Why How can I say that? Because Jesus said, "Pray at all times." Mm. Because Paul picks that up in First Thessalonians, and he says, "Pray unceasingly." Unceasing prayer. I mean, what does that actually mean? How can we pray unceasingly? It's like, what do I walk around talking to the Lord all the time? You know, I mean, how can I do that? That's a question, actually. How can yeah, it's I do just that? Being
1: conscious of Him. Really, I <coughs> can't explain it.
0: Right? No, it, you're doing well, Anne. So, continue, to continue, it's being conscious of Him. Being conscious of what about Him, then? yeah Yeah, that he's with us all the time that he's um that he wants the best for us all the time that he is constantly at work on our behalf all the time Mm -hmm. that uh he goes where i go he sees what i see he hears what i hear all of the things of my life there is no place that that god does not go with me by his spirit now that is a I mean, that's a challenging truth. Challenging and comforting.
1: Because
0: mm-hmm. that means at every moment of every day, God is with me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I want that on the good days. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure I want it. Well, I'm not. Yeah. The first commandment,
1: yeah. You be easily first.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's easy to say oh, and so very hard to do. Mm. And so that's what I'm saying. Why is it hard to do? Why is it hard to do? That's another question. Why it's is it hard? Of because of it's Satan, because of Satan. and? The flesh. Flesh. The flesh. Because of your own flesh. <laughs> because actually, a lot of the time, you don't want to do that. I don't want to away. do that. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I'm talking about this battle. I know we, yes. No, I was
2: going to say another way is you have a song in your head. Yes. It's a very yes. easy yes. thing to have a song going over, you know, different hymns or whatever yes. going on in your head can be another way yes. of very easily. Well, but
0: what are you doing when you're remembering that song?
2: Because you're worshipping. There
0: you go. You're worshiping him, so you're remembering that he's with you all the time. So um yeah. Why, why, so sorry, yeah, I just want to make one more point before we move on from this, and that is that, that Christ is with us all the time by His Spirit. God the Father is with us all the time by His Spirit, and God has told us to pray at all times, to pray unceasingly. And why would He do that if the gospel? that is being preached a lot of the time now, is that God wants you to be healthy and happy and no problems in your life all the time. Why on earth would he ever need you to pray? Because if that's what God wants, why is that not happening? If God's will is powerful and perfect and, and almighty, and he wants his people to be help, totally healthy and totally happy and you know wealthy all the time, Why has that not happened?
3: Because we're in foreign territory.
0: Because we're in foreign territory. So now that's why. So the person who preaches the gospel that says God will make you healthy and wealthy and happy all the time is preaching lies or deception. Not necessarily from a motive to preach that way, but definitely from the deception of the enemy. Because the reality is, when do you pray most? When you're in trouble, when you're sick, when you can't pay your bills, when something bad is happening, you pray all of the time. Now, I'm not saying that God causes those things, definitely not. But what I am saying is that the perspective that God has is totally different to ours. So healthy to God means something totally different than it means to us. Healthy for God is the whole person being healthy. Wealthy means something totally different to material blessings. Store up your treasures in heaven, Jesus says, um, where the moth doesn't thing and the rust doesn't, whatever it is. Sorry, you know, thank you. So, yeah. So God's perspective is the opposite of ours. So now when we're thinking about what does healthy mean, actually? What does wealthy mean? What does happy mean in God's eyes? It means something totally different. And so why must we pray at all times? A, to protect us from the enemy, and B, so that we might gain God's perspective on our life rather than living in the perspective that we have, humanly speaking. And the only way that we're going to do that is um, by what God tells us to do, what Rosie was reminding me to do. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, um, Paul will say... um, Therefore, brothers, in view of God's mercies, present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will know what is the perfect, pleasing, or then you will prove what is the perfect and pleasing will of God. That's a paraphrase at the end, it's not quite right, but you know what I mean. So that's those verses in Romans 12. So... God has promised. Mm. He has promised. If you want my will, you will know it. And the way you'll know it is by renewing your mind. Mm. And how will you renew mm. your mind? In the word yeah. is the, the only way. Mm. Your, mm. your mind is a computer. Mm. And what it's only as good as the information you feed it. Mm. If you, you know, it's like Wikipedia, isn't it? You go on there to find out everything about everybody and everything. And all you know is what the person wrote. Mm. And if that's your only source of information, poor you, because you're getting a lot of rubbish. Mm. So that's what this is about. It's about renew your mind with the word of God so that you can then gain the perspective of God, so that you can then pray about your circumstances in the way God wants you to pray, because you've got his perspective, not your own. Now, I know you know these things, you know these things, but I'll, you know who here prays at all times? I mean, nobody can put their hand up because we don't do it. We don't do it. So the whole purpose of um, coming and doing Bible study, of us talking about prayer, or me rabbiting mostly, but you know what I mean, about talking about prayer, is that it's a reminder of what God has told us to do. And in those verses, Romans 12, 1 and 2, where Paul says, do not be conformed to this world, but be uh, transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm. The original Greek says, you are being conformed, put a stop to it. Mm. The conforming of of the world Mm. to your mind is happening all the time. You have to put a stop to it. And the only way to put a stop to it is to feed it other information mm-hmm. to feed it the truth of god i mean i just think that's amazing <laughs> that is amazing that the world one of our three enemies is at work the forces the philosophies the the um speculations of the world is constantly being fed into us mm-hmm. constantly by our culture by society by the tv by the internet by music by everything and in every way, mm-hmm. we are constantly being conformed. Mm-hmm. The only way to stop it is to be renewed, to be trans- transformed by renewing our minds. And the only one who can renew your mind is right. you. The only one who can renew your mind is you. <coughs> you are the only one who can choose every day to pick up the word of God.
1: Really well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's cleansing too, isn't it? It says, I scripture, i yeah water, water
0: of the word mm-hmm. yeah
1: it you it well is you yeah yeah PR. yeah then you come and read the word and sort of, that's God's
0: yeah it's it's is. As well, mm-hmm. isn't it, it's it is and encouraging and consoling and <coughs> yeah everything that you need it's there mm-hmm. so finally we get to john 17 so okay. um i think i was going to say read, yeah let's read the whole thing can we just read a couple of verses each and do it quite fast so we can get through uh, 26 verses, so I think there's more than 13 of us, so, yeah. From verse 1 down to the end. <clears throat> Anybody start?
3: Jesus spoke these things, and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come, glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, even as you gain him authority over all flesh, and as all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life.
1: And this is eternal
3: life, that
2: they may know you, the only true God, and of Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorify thee on earth,
1: having accomplished the work that thou hast given me to do. And now glorify thou me
2: together with thyself, Father, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was
3: <coughs> I have revealed to you, to those whom you gave me out of the world, they were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you give me comes from you.
2: For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came for you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for <coughs> them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have you have given me, for they are yours. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine and I am glorified in them, Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. Mm. While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name, which you have given me, and I guarded them, and not one of them perished, but Mm. the son of perdition, so that the scripture would be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, so that they may have my joy made full in themselves.
1: I have given them your
2: word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I
1: am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth, for thy word is truth. Mm-hmm. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sins I sanctified them myself, that they themselves may also be sanctified in the truth.
3: But you would ask on behalf of these mm-hmm. but for those also who believe in me through their word, uh, that they may all be one even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, <coughs> that they also may be in you, in us, so that the world may believe that you sent <coughs> me. The
1: glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may
0: be in them and I in them. Thank you. Okay, how does Jesus begin then this prayer? Who's he praying for? Right at the beginning. He's praying for himself. And he begins the prayer with the word Father. Mm-hmm. Um, A word which he uses seven times, six times, six or seven times in this chapter. He calls God the Holy Father and Righteous Father, and the rest of the time he calls him Father. So why do you think, what are we supposed to understand from the fact that he continues to repeat the name Father? Why would he be saying that, do you think? What does he want us to know?
1: He's our Father as
0: well. Yeah, he's stressing. I think... That he's our father, yes, but I think that he's stressing a relationship that the son and the father have. Mm-hmm. So it's this constant father, this is what I've done, this is, I'm your son and I've done this, you've done this, I've done this. It's this constant repetition of the relationship that exists between the father and the son, between the father and a child. And what he says is that that relationship is a relationship of direct conversation and communication. Mm -hmm. And actually, that's not new because he said that throughout the Gospels. In John 5 and John 14, Jesus says, I only do the things I see the Father do, and I only say what I hear the Father say. Mm -hmm. So basically, all the way through John's Gospel particularly, Jesus repeats that same thing. So now in this prayer, he's... He's, he's, he's talking to his father, but he's talking on that basis. I've lived my life doing what you do and saying what you say. I haven't done anything of my own initiative. It's all been what I hear from you and what you, I see you do. Now think about that, because at the end of this prayer, he's going to turn this prayer into a prayer for each one of us. But what do you think he wants us to understand from that? I'm going to turn this prayer from the beginning into a prayer that we can pray for ourselves and for each other because we come to God on the same basis at the end of the prayer he'll say that they might be in us in the same way that I am in you they are in me and that w- they will be in us so he's establishing in his prayer this this right that we have to the child-parent relationship, the child-father relationship, which actually, right at the beginning, John says in John chapter one, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. And to those who believed in him, those who received him, he gave the right to be called to become children of God. Mm -hmm. So this idea of us being children of God is established all the way through John's gospel actually all the way through the New Testament. But it's particularly um, poignant here because it's Jesus himself who is praying that Mm. and who is saying. And I think right at the beginning, he sets up some things in that relationship and I think we can almost rip them straight out and say (laughs) that's the same as our relationship with God. If that's true, what can we know just from what I've just said? When Jesus is communicating with the Father and when he's speaking that out to anyone who's listening, what's he saying he's doing? It's easy, so I've just said it. So what, he's, he, he's saying, what I'm only doing what I've seen you do. And I'm only saying what I've heard you say. So ask yourself the question, is that the story of your life? Is that the witness of your life? I'm asking myself, is that the witness of my life? Do I only do what I know God is doing? Do I only say what I hear God saying? I mean, really, that's a massive question for believers. We call ourselves children of God. We want all the rights and all the privileges of being children of God. I mean, there are huge ministries based on the fact that we're sons and daughters of the king. We're princes and princesses. Reap all the benefits. Take on all the wealth. But the biggest question is, how did Jesus live as a child of God? How did he live as the son of God? And he says himself, I only do what I see you do and I only say what I hear you say. And I'm challenged immensely by that, that he subjected himself on my behalf, and he completely and utterly obeyed the Father. I only say what the Father says. So when Satan came at him, remember in Matthew chapter three, I think it is, Satan comes to him uh, in the wilderness, Chapter 4 actually, chapter 4. So he comes to him in the wilderness and he offers him those three things he offers him. What's Jesus' reply? It is
1: written.
0: Yeah, it is written. He's quoting what? I'm saying what I've heard God say. I'm only saying what I've heard God say. So when Satan comes to you with the temptation in whatever form he comes and however often he comes, what is your response? Your response is not, I claim this in the name of Jesus. Your response is not, I am a child of God. Or maybe it's, I am a child of God. But it is basically to speak God's word to the enemy. Because it is the truth that sets free. It is the truth that will demolish strongholds. It is the truth that will keep Satan, away from you, protect you. I, what does he say, Jesus Sanctify says? Protect them from the evil one. Sanctify them mm. in the truth. Mm. Set them apart in the truth. Mm. Your word is truth. It's on our wall, John 17, 17. Mm. So when Jesus is praying, he calls God, Father, he's establishing that relationship. And now, because we are children of God, we can come boldly, Hebrews says, to the throne of grace to find help in our church. time of need we can come directly to the father for what we need we don't have to go through any other saint we don't have to go through any Mm. other person we're not even actually talking to jesus he set this up that we are talking to god the father and it doesn't actually matter because the trinity is something we will never ever understand Mm. but the triune god decided this before the world began and and the triune God is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But how that works and how they exist together, I don't have a clue. I just know it does. I can come directly to the Father, just as Jesus came directly to the Father. And the Father's promise to me is that you are heard by me. That I am constantly at work on your behalf. That I hear every prayer that I answer every prayer that's what we saw last time do you remember in Luke 18 we talked about the fact that this widow the parable that Jesus talks about in Luke 18 there's this widow that comes to the judge and she has to keep pestering him to get her case heard and I've always heard that taught as perseverance in prayer you've got to keep persevering but I think the opposite is what Jesus is saying he's saying your father is not like that unrighteous God. He's not like that. Won't he answer quickly? That's exactly the words he uses. He uses the word quickly because God the Father answers the prayers of his children immediately. But we don't see the answer or hear the answer immediately. That's why we have to walk through the door of faith. That's why we have to come by faith and understand as Habakkuk did that though the fig tree doesn't blossom, though my life does not look the way I think it should look, or that I think God would want it to look, nonetheless, I trust that he is at work. Mm -hmm. Habakkuk begins his tirade against God, and he says, why are you making me see violence, and this evil and wickedness is all over the place, and the first thing God says to him, I think it's about verse 4 or 5 in chapter 1 is, look among the nations, be astonished, for I am doing something in your day that you would not believe if you were told. Mm. That's his answer to our prayers. Mm. You're asking me for this? If you could see what I can see, you would be astonished Mm. at what I'm doing. If I told you what I'm doing, you would never, ever believe it. It would be too glorious.
2: Somebody had that very word when they were interceding for this nation in a prayer group about now.
0: Well, look among the nations. I don't know if that's right or wrong, we'll see. But, um, you know, look among the nations, he says. Be astonished, for I am doing something in your day that you would not believe if you were told. And that's what he says about us. Romans 8:28. God causes all things to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. You are his child, his precious child. And here there is nothing that he will withhold from you. It just means that you may not see it the way you expect to see it. Mm. And it may not be at the time you expect it to be. Um, Jesus begins, doesn't he, and he talks about time. He says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Glorify your son. So the hour has come. So what did Jesus know all the way through his life? What did he know about the timing of God? It was perfect, and it is specific. It's specific. I mean, I don't know. I have lots of. My husband's not saved. My son's not saved. My sister's not saved. I mean, you could go through almost every friend I've got. It's not saved. Not all of them, you know, because some of them are saved. But, you know, you know, there's so many people in my life that I love that are not saved. And I could come to God and say, look, what's going on? I'm praying for these all the time. And you say you don't want any to perish. You want them all to come to repentance. And I'm praying for them. That's according to your will and according to your purpose. So why am I not seeing? You say you're working all things together for my good causing all things to Why am I not seeing my husband saved? And God's answer is that what you call good, I don't call good. That what you think is perfect timing, I think is the lousy timing. What you want to happen now, today, I tell you to wait for because it will keep you in a position or in a place that I want you to be in. And my job is only to say, okay, I trust that. I trust that. And to and to fight off the enemy of myself, which says, you know, oh really, can you trust a god like that? Or the world, which says, really, really, you're a Christian, God loves you, and this is your circumstance. Or the uh, Satan who comes at you with all that he comes at you, with all the thoughts and the and the the temptations and the all of that. My role in it is to is to stand before god and say i trust your word i trust who you are and i have to fight to stay in that place Mm. it is a fight to live in that place and that's why we have to pray that's why we have to pray because it would be so easy to faint it would be so easy so um Jesus saying that the hour has come, the perfect timing of God has come and, and that now it's time and now he knows he's going to go to his death. We know that God is working all the time on our behalf. We know that he is constantly at work and that should give us confidence, right? It should give us confidence. And if we know that we're praying and seemingly receiving no answer, what, is, what, what do we say to the Lord? I mean, do we have to keep on praying until we bend his ear and he just gets fed up with hearing the same words over and over?
1: We could say, thank you, Lord, that you've heard my prayer. I thank you, Lord, that you are at work. That takes faith. Exactly.
0: I know. (laughs) Thank you that you are at work. Mm -hmm. And that though I don't see it yet, you are answering my prayer in the best way.
1: In your way.
0: In your way. Mm -hmm. And yes, that takes faith. And that's why we pray, for God to give us the faith to be able to pray and to praise Him even when we don't see yeah. the answer.
2: And without doubt. Because yeah. if we doubt, we will yeah. be double minded it. Yeah. Um just on a like, yeah. practical note yeah. it's quite helpful to write
1: down what you've prayed for.
0: Yeah, thank you. That's true. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. You can do a few ticks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah. thank you, Libby. That's mm. right.
0: Yeah,
3: yeah. You say about us being able to pray direct to the Father. Mm. I've always been brought up to think that New Testament and most faith has been to pray through Jesus Christ mm. our Lord, to mm. the Father. Mm. What you're saying?
1: Well,
2: <coughs> it depends what you understand
0: by through Jesus. Through Jesus, Jesus. Yeah. He's our advocate. Well, yeah, he is our advocate and he is our high priest. But he himself tells us we can come directly to the Father. So there must be two things going on. That he is interceding for us all the time and he is our advocate and speaking on our behalf against the enemy who's coming before God and saying, look at Simon, look what he did. But also we are enabled to come directly to God the Father. So we pray, when we are voicing our prayers, we pray to God the Father. We're not praying to Christ and then asking him to go to God with our prayer. That's the difference.
2: I got told that by David Winter a long time ago, who's a vicar. Okay. Because I was praying to Jesus, and he said, no, you pray to God, Mm. the Father. In Jesus. But there's
3: a subtle difference in you pray to God the Father through.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, amazing. you come through Jesus, you are, you are enabled to pray to God the Father through the atoning sacrifice mm. of Christ. Exactly. Exactly. So without that, we without couldn't that, pray. Wouldn't, the Father wouldn't exactly. So, it, it, as I say, it depends what you understand from the word through. But uh, I think Jesus is clear here that we pray directly to God, Mm -hmm. um, God the Father. But I honestly, I I don't think God's up there saying, "Well, I mean, she said Jesus, so I'm I'm not listening to that," you Mm -hmm. know. Or I I just don't I I don't think that happens. But I do think it's good to understand because there is an assurance in there that we belong to God the Father, that He is our Father. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and yeah. so Jesus said, "Glorify thy son, or glorify your son, that the son that I may glorify you." So, what what would, Im- what would be involved in that glorification of Christ? What would be involved in that? The cross. Yeah, the cross. It's that's the first thing. The he cross. Was doing his father's will, yeah. Which? Is which yeah. Um, that the father. Well, the thing is. It was his suffering on the cross wasn 't it that 's what would, would be involved in his glorifying he says i 've completed i 've accomplished the work that you gave me to do, and that must include the the death and resurrection, his death and resurrection. so I think he 's including that in the whole process i 've accomplished everything and because he knew that the, that his death was a certainty, he was going to his death. but think about that in terms of um, how would Christ glorify his father? in dying on the cross. I mean, how is God glorified in Christ dying on the cross?
1: To bring in people into relationships.
0: Say that again? Bringing bring in people
3: into
1: relationships. Yeah,
0: it is. Yeah, I think that's true. But I think that's a result of the glorification rather than how he glorified. So, obedience. yeah, obedience. So obedience glorifies the Father, definitely. Yeah, he overcame Satan in that, and that's a glorification, in a way, of, of God. And
1: sacrifice
0: as well. Yeah, sacrifice. Sacrifice mm-hmm. glorifies God, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Perfect.
0: Perfect. Perfect submission, mm-hmm. yeah. But what happened in Christ's death on the cross? I mean, he suffered, obviously, and um, he he suffered, he died, he was buried, and he was raised again. He fulfilled God's purpose for his life, and the purpose of God's life was suffering in that instance. So glorifying God involves us fulfilling the purpose of God for our lives. And, and I think that one of the things you can say about Jesus on the cross is, not, is, is of course, his suffering and his death. You know That enabled our salvation. But God's sustaining his son, Jesus, through that death. That God's sustaining power kept Jesus, enabled him to do what he had to do. Mm -hmm. And I think that's huge for us. Mm -hmm. You know, Jesus is God, so I I can't explain it any better. But Jesus stood in for us. He Mm -hmm. took our place. Mm -hmm. And God sustained him through horrendous suffering. And so there's something, I think, in that for us, that God will sustain us through things that we can't possibly imagine and when we look at circumstances and say god i cannot possibly do that i cannot be that person i can't live that way it's too hard this suffering's too great etc 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 god's answer is i am the all-sustaining god and i will sustain you through that that's what he says to paul when paul says take this Thorn, you know, three times I prayed that the Lord would take this from me and his answer, mm-hmm. my grace is sufficient for you mm-hmm. for power is perfected in weakness mm-hmm. so um, God, um, Jesus' death on the cross was glorifying to God because he was obedient, because he fulfilled the purpose of God because it was the propitiation, the required sacrifice the right sacrifice, all of that um, it was the official acceptance of Christ's death for us on the cross so all of this is glorifying to God but I think for us now how do we see this and that is that if we are relying on the sustaining power of God through our suffering if we are coming to God and saying I cannot do this I cannot do this I cannot live this life I don't know how I'm going to get through this situation that is glorifying to God Mm you see we think that we always have to find the right answer or be the right strong person or show the right courage or battle on and soldier on and chin high and you know stiff up a lip and all that and the opposite is true god is glorified in our weakness as we reach out for his strength that's the reality and and as we understand that we can't be we are not we are not David or Daniel or any of those wonderful people in scripture who fought the lions and who who killed Goliath you and I we cannot be David we cannot be Daniel only Christ can be David and Daniel only Christ can live the Christian life fully and completely that's why he had to live it instead of us it's amazing to me the liberation of that, the relief of that, that, that he lived that life for me. He died that death for me. And now I trust in his living and his death. And every time I come to a thing that is too much for me, which is almost every day, I can come to God and say, I can't, and God says, but I can, and I will. And that glorifies God. I mean, how can that be? That God is glorified by our complete and utter inadequacy? How can that be? It's no I live, but Christ, Christ lives in me. Yeah. 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 Of Thank you, Debbie.
1: Those, those, um, his strength is. Perfected full yeah completion. Mm. When we mm.
0: he's glorified Yeah. Mm. So um, the purpose of Jesus' request here, glorify your son, that the son may glorify or glorify me, so that I may glorify you, the whole purpose still at his asking for his glorification, his purpose was still the glorification of his father. Mm. So there was still this going on right up until the very end. He was still asking, even when he's asking for the glorification of himself, restore to me the glory which I had with you before the beginning of time, it's still so that God the Father would be glorified. So, um, Mm. So thinking about that then, thinking about the fact that we are here to glorify God, that what is it the Westminster Catechism says, what's the chief purpose of man, the chief end of man? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. So we are here to glorify God. So how will we glorify God? I've just said really so. As I suffer pain and hardship and temptation, as I go through circumstances that are beyond my control, I turn to God. That glorifies God. It glorifies God. It shows him to be who he really is. He is my saviour, he is my help, he is my strength, he is m- everything that I need. Um, the
2: opposite, we can just see, can't
1: you, the opposite, where well, we stay sniveling in our mess, <laughs> <laughs> how that doesn't glorify mm-hmm. him.
0: Yeah, no, we mm-hmm.
3: haven't gone to him, haven't took it to him. That's yeah. We yeah. Yes. yeah. Well, would it be true to say that um, God sustained Christ on the cross? Um, uh, uh, and that, in fact, it wasn't just the pain, it was the separation. No, I think Not definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Because that must be yes. the yes.
0: Yes. when you were separated for this yes. two or three hours. Yes, definitely. definitely. And you sustained during that time.
3: I think so, yeah. It's also for the father. Because I often feel this must be the worst thing yeah. yeah. for
0: yeah. the father. He the of all love. Yeah. And loving
1: the son is the service. Yeah.
0: yeah yeah okay so um Jesus talks about his authority uh, we we haven't really got a lot of time to talk about that but um, um, Jesus says um, glorify your son that your son may glorify you even as you gave him authority over all flesh that to all whom you have given him he may give eternal life so First of all, Jesus has authority over all flesh, so that is a massive statement. Um, He has has authority over all flesh, that is everything that lives, and he has authority to take up his own life, that's what he says in John chapter 10, and he has authority to give eternal life to all that the Father gave him. So five times in this prayer, he talks about some things that, that the Father gave to him. And I just wanted to look at those things um, first of all what is eternal life here how is it defined by Jesus here knowing the Father. yeah um, he says it and, and this is eternal life that they may know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent so eternal life is not simply endless existence every single person who has ever lived will live eternally that's the reality we are eternal beings all of us the the only question is where will we live and who will we live with and so jesus says i have given eternal life to those (coughs) whom you have given me (coughs) so um uh our question then is uh, do i have eternal life do I have eternal life? And how do I know I have eternal life? How do I know I have eternal life?
1: Trusting
0: in Jesus. Yeah, trusting in Jesus. Yes, that, that's the promise of God, that when we trust Jesus, we are given eternal life. Um, John will say, actually, in his letter, 1 John, he says in, in chapter 5, verse 11, um, And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence which we have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked of him. So eternal life, we know that we have eternal life if we know that that Jesus has given us that life because we have trusted in the Father. And how will we know that we have been given that? How will you know it? There, the Holy Spirit is the witness of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And according to 1 John chapter 5, which I've just read, and John 17, which he talks about, what is one of the things that the Holy Spirit will bring you to do? Pray. He will bring you to pray. He will bring you to ask in the name of Jesus. How do you know you have eternal life? Because you Pray. How do you know you have eternal love? Because when you pray you're talking to your Father and He's talking to you. Because you have the witness of His Spirit within you. And that's really important because we're so quick to say to people when they say I'm not sure if I really am a Christian and we're so quick to say oh yeah of course you are, of course, of course. You believe in Jesus, don't you? But the reality is there is a witness of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. There is a witness. You should know that you are a believer in the Lord Jesus. And one of the ways you know is that you are praying and asking for things that are according to the will of God. And you are trusting that he will answer those prayers. Um, so I just let's, we'll finish then with um, the things that Jesus says that uh, God gave him. Um, he, he begins in verse 4 and he says, um, Where are we? I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me. So, what else did he give? What else did God the Father give to Jesus? In verse 2, verse 6, verse 9, and verse 24, what did he give him? Yeah, he gave him authority, but I'm thinking actually of something else. Those
2: the yeah.
0: believers. God gave believers to Jesus. Doesn't he say that in verse yeah. 2 yes. and in um uh six. and verse 6 and verse 9 and verse 24 that God gave believers to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Okay, what else did he give him? Verse 5 and verse 24. This is God giving God the Father giving to God the Son. He gave him work. He gave him believers. What else? Verse 5. Glory. Glory. He gave him glory. Same in verse 24. What about in verse 8? What did he give him? Words. Words in verse 8 and in verse 11 and 12. That God gave to Jesus? Name. A name. name. He gave him a name. Okay, so now. I want to take those things that God gave to his son and say, okay, we are all children of God. Has God given those things to us? And has, what is the, well, the first thing? Work. Has God given us work to do? Yes. 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 What is that work? To glorify God and? Proclaim the gospel, proclaim the gospel with the purpose of? making believers, making believers, making disciples. So in a way, the work that God gave Jesus to do and the believers that he gave him is the same as us. He has given us the same work, and that is to make believers. Jesus had the work of glorifying God through his obedience to God, which in turn brought about salvation for those people then and for us now. So what is it we are understanding from the work of God that we have been given to make disciples how will we make disciples following Jesus pattern
1: Again,
0: yeah but following his pattern what by was asking Jesus God that bit, you know, asking God doing, yes that bit that's bit. it by only doing what God I see God doing and by only saying what I hear God saying so mm-hmm. what when when Jesus was making disciples he was living in obedience to God okay. he was doing what he saw God doing and he was saying what he heard God saying. How will we make disciples? Same way. Same way. By living in obedience to what we see God doing and hear him saying. You hear him speaking in his word and you see him at work by his spirit in the, in the workings of the body of Christ and of Jesus. So we have been given a work to do and that work is to make believers just as Jesus was. Okay, what was the third thing he was given? before that glory what is it he says um glorify me with the glory which you have given me right verse 22 and verse 24 what does it say tell us about us
3: we have received
0: the same glory. yeah we have the same glory i have given them where is it 22 uh, the glory which you have given me i have given to them so the glory that was given to Christ, he has given to us. What about the next thing that he was given? That God the Father gave to God the Son, verse 8. Sorry, I know it's flicking backwards and forwards, but I really want to list it because you know, this prayer that Jesus prayed is our prayer actually, the words. Mm-hmm. God has, Christ has given us the words that God the Father gave to him. So we've been given work to do. We've been given believers or disciples to make, just the same as Jesus. We've been given glory, just the same as Christ. We have been given um, words, his words, just the same. What about the last thing, the name? The
1: name.
0: What have we been given? The
1: name,
0: the name of Christ. We are Christians. We, are, we have the name of Christ. So think about how knowing those things that Jesus has passed on to us, the, the things that he was given to by God as Father, what would we be praying in terms of you know, how we might imitate Christ in this prayer? How did he pray these things? How did he weave these things into his prayer? Who did he pray for? He prayed for us, he prayed for his 11 disciples first of all. He prayed for himself, and then he Mm -hmm. prayed for his 11 disciples. So how can we pray? Okay, we can pray for ourselves. Lord God, glorify me, even if that takes suffering, that I might glorify you. Mm -hmm. Sustain me in that suffering. All the things that that involves, that Jesus knew I have accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Help me, Lord, now to accomplish the work that you have given me to do. Even if that's hard, even if the circumstances are different, difficult. Mm-hmm. Sustain me in that. Help me to glorify you in that, to exalt your name, to lift up the name of Christ. Mm-hmm. Help me to be obedient. Help me to say what I hear you say and do what you hear me do, what I see you do. Mm-hmm. Help me to live as Christ lived. I know I can't, I'm not Jesus, I'm not a little God. None of us are. That's a heresy too big to even go into. We are not God, but we are part of the body of Christ and he prayed this prayer for us and we can pray this for one another and for ourselves. How might we pray, How might we pray for each other using this prayer? That's really a question. Yeah, before that, because we're talking about his glory and his words and the name and we have a work to do, those things that God gave Christ and that he gave us. Lord, help us as a ministry to glorify you. Help us as a church wherever we go to church. Help us as a body of believers. Help us as the body of Christ in our ancestor to actually live like Christians, to really live what we say we believe. Lord, we can't do that. We have we're we, our, the enemy is our own flesh I'm having to fight that battle Lord and I can't fight that on my own we can't fight it on our own so Lord we trust that you will fight it for us and I want to pray for 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 you you know you plural like you the body of Christ I want to pray for the other believers that I know and that I fellowship with that that we might be strong and and stand and and live in that way. Mm. Because Christ will be exalted. And God will be glorified. <coughs> and we will be made joyful. Mm. And the name, knowing that we have his name and we have his words. What will you pray for me? What will I pray for you? The last bit yeah, protection, yeah, protection <coughs> from the world. We're going to talk about that next week. But, but Lord, I have the name Christian. You have the name Christian. Help us to live that way together. Help us to understand that we belong to each other, that we are family, you know, that we are to live in this way. You all look sleepy and tired and you look like you've had enough, but you shouldn't have had enough. This is the best prayer on the planet. This is just like the best. There's nothing better than this. But really, it's it's to think about, okay, this is how Jesus prayed, He prayed for himself, he prayed for his disciples, and then he prayed for everyone who would believe in him through their word. That's you and me. And he is modelling prayer, modelling life, modelling all the time that he is on earth. He is modelling the life of the person who loves God. And that's you and me. And, And what we want to do is follow Jesus through his prayer for ourselves and for each other. So that we do glorify God and don't just think that we are because mm-hmm. we've come up with some wonderful idea, some new way exactly. of glorifying Him.
2: Pray effectively.
0: Pray effectively.
2: Yeah. So this is a perfect example to us.
0: It is. It is a perfect example, and we haven't even got to uh, what we were. What He's going to actually, you know, pray for protection, pray for uh, sanctification, pray for all of that, which we'll get to next week. We're just, not, we're just covering the first few lines. Mm-hmm of a prayer yeah so we're going to finish then so that you don't all fall asleep so father I thank you that um, well I just thank you Lord that you're patient with us and that and that you want us to know these things. I'm so grateful that you wrote it down, Lord, that you, that you got John to write this down. I, I, I can't imagine trying to live without your word, and I just don't want to ever have to do it. So I ask, Lord God, that you keep me chained to your word, that you keep me so close to you that I never go too far away without being drawn back, that you, and I pray that for all of us, Lord, I pray that you would keep on keeping on with us, and I pray based on the truth that you will, that you never will let us go, that you want us more than we want you, that you want us (coughs) to know your will more than we want to know your will, and that you will constantly and consistently pour out your love on us in every which way, and you're calling us only to trust to walk through that door of faith and to be able to say, whatever comes my way, I trust that you are my God. You are my Father. And I know, Lord God, that you will answer this prayer. And I know that you will strengthen us because that will glorify you and in turn give us great joy. So I thank you, Father, for this evening. I thank you for the week to come. And I ask, Lord God, that you help us live it in a way that does exalt Jesus. I praise you, Father. I praise you for the fact that you have brought us into your family. In Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. 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 See you next week. Part two. Yeah. Oh yes. Thank you. Uh, two things actually. Sorry, Angela, before you mention that. Last time, four or five weeks ago, whenever it was that we met, I said, I think, that God only works, did I say this, that God only works through our prayers. Mm. If I actually said God only works through our prayers, that's wrong. Mm. God works any which way he wants to work and he does work in other ways. Um, In spite of
1: this sometimes. Yes.
0: But one of the main ways that he chooses to work is through the prayers of his people. Mm. So. I didn't intend to say that because I don't believe that for a moment, that God only works through prayer. But if I said it, I'm sure I did say it because someone told me that I said it, so I'm not doubting what they're saying. But but I just, that wasn't, that's not true. So scrub that from your memory. But Mm. some of you weren't even here, so that's okay. So, um, yeah, one other thing, that Angela's going to say something about you, Simon. It's not horrible. Simon is
2: going to be speaking at Bradenstoke on Saturday afternoon. And I just really want to encourage as many of you as possible... Yes. To come along. It's um, the Providence Baptist Chapel I don't know if you know Bradenstoke. it's one, long lo- long little lane, mm-hmm. and it's right at the far end on the right. I yes, you think you're not going to get to the chapel? Yes, that's right. Yes. Um, it's the Providence Baptist Chapel at three o'clock.